News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. Minister for Health Stephen Donnelly, good morning. Good morning, Jonathan. Um, you have extended the HPV catch up programme that's named in memory of Laura Brennan to include all males up until their 22nd birthday. Why the inclusion of that cohort? Because it's going to protect them, Jonathan, because it will keep them safe themselves from certain types of cancers. We know that the HPV virus in men can lead to several cancers, throat cancer, anal cancer, mouth cancer. Uh, We know that men obviously can pass the virus on to women from sexual contact. We know that leads to cancers in women, including cervical cancer. It's a highly effective vaccine. Uh, It's a single dose from next Tuesday for all boys and young men up to and including the age of 21. It will be available as part of the catch-up programme to the end of the year. Now, obviously, the the first year school programme for boys and girls will will continue and has been very, very successful. And Jonathan, you mentioned the extraordinary late Laura Brennan, an extraordinary advocate who who saved many, many lives through her own advocacy. I would just like to add Larry and Bernie, Laura's mum and dad, they and the rest of Laura's family campaigned so hard for this catch-up programme. We launched it last year. It's been very successful so far. We've had what kind of what, what kind? I was just going to say, how many people ha- have actually joined up for this? Because there's obviously a large cohort out there who, who for whatever reason, mightn't have got it in school. That's right. So over five thousand have registered. Over three and a half thousand have now received uh, the HPV vaccine. It's free, as I said. It's a it's a single dose. And Jonathan, one of the things that surprised me was the number of us as men who carry the HPV virus. So believe it or not, one in three of us over the age of 15 carry at least one strain of HPV virus and one in five of us carry at least one of the high-risk strains. So this is, this is very real. It's, it's, it's a, a very effective vaccine and, and okay. it is already saving and will save many, many lives. Minister, there's other matters I just want to check in with you because uh, after the summer there's a, there's a, a number of health-related stories that uh, have cropped up. 501 people on trolleys yesterday. Yesterday was a Wednesday. That should have been the day when hospitals were managing better than earlier in the week. What hope have we got for the winter if we have that level of overcrowding in our EDs to, uh, right now in the summer, Minister? Well, can I start by saying that current numbers and the numbers we've had for many, many years are not acceptable too many patients uh, in too many hospitals on trolley for too long. We're in the middle of a a national effort. We've been doing it now for three years, a combination of an unprecedented expansion of health capacity, both in the hospitals and in the community, along with a fundamental modernization of how the care is delivered. So, for example, moving from five-day-a-week service to a a seven-day-a-week service. And Jonathan, Minister, I, I have to put it. I have to put it to you. If you're doing it for three years, it's not working because we have 501 people at the height of the summer. What we've seen since March is a steady reduction in the number of of, of people on trolleys uh, in the mornings, and um, it's at a lower level for this time of year than it was in 2019, ju- ju- just very marginally. But that's in spite of a much higher number of people, particularly older people, coming into emergency departments. And so the the clear message is is this, Jonathan. The current situation is not acceptable. It hasn't been acceptable for a long time. There's a vast level of change and reform and increase in capacity. And while we have a long way to go, 
I really do want to acknowledge the efforts of our healthcare workers because they are constantly being criticised well, no, for the uh, overcrowding uh, in, in in our emergency departments. I'm not criticising anyone. On, I'm not criticising anyone on, on on the front line because they are dealing with this day in day out. The criticism, if if it's to be levelled, is at managers in the hospital system who who perhaps could be doing more and consultants perhaps who could be doing more. Why have we 501 people on trolleys in August? And this is my point. So so let's acknowledge the fact that while we have a long way to go, a lot is working. For example, I looked at the numbers for yesterday. Hospitals like uh, Waterford, Port Leash, Tullamore, Beaumont, CHI had had none or very few on, on trolleys. Other hospitals are very challenged. But even yeah, there... CUH had over 60, some... Limerick had 70. I mean, the, the hospitals who are yeah. always being mentioned are the ones who are top of the list. If there's progress being made, why not there? Well, there is progress being made there, and that's why it's important to recognise this as well. Now, again, I want to be very clear, no one is standing over the current situation, but take Limerick. You just mentioned Limerick. They have huge pressures in Limerick. However, year to date in Limerick, the 8am trolley figure from the HSC is 22% lower than it was in 2019. That's in spite of a, a far more people turning up to the emergency department. So okay. we are seeing progress. We have a long way to go. But critically, Jonathan, it's, it's, it boils down to this, an unprecedented level of increased capacity in the hospitals and in the community. But that on its own is not enough. The hospitals and the, and the, the hospital system and the health system have to be run in a way that works for patients. That means moving from, seven, from five days to seven days. It means more access to injury clinics, more access to discharge beds, more access for patients to diagnostics. Uh, and senior uh, decision makers. Okay, when and, and, and very logical solutions. But if you look at the... I mean, for, first of all, do you know how much the overrun in the HSE is going to be this year? Well, I know to the end of July, it's uh, uh, between five, uh, uh, five and 600 million. I, I, I have the figure. It's um, 576 million to the end of July. Well, the suspicion is it's going to be 2.2 billion by the end of the year. How are we going to jump? How are we jumping from 700 million to 2.2 billion? We we won't. There there will be there will be no jump to to two point two billion. So for the end of July, it was it was under six hundred million. It, about three quarters of that is down to uh, higher prices than the HSC was budgeted for, and higher numbers of patients being treated than the HSC was provisioned for. About a quarter of the overrun is things like agency overtime, hiring into post that don't have funding. We're working very very closely with the HSC on identifying the areas of spend that should not be happening and bringing them down in the short term. But critically, this keeps happening and we need proper structural solutions uh, to this. Part of it is around modernising our health service. Part of it is around having the proper financial management system in place. We're halfway through rolling that out at the moment as well. Okay, so it won't get to 2.2 billion. That's what you're saying categorically today. Um, it, we know where the overspend is coming from. One of the biggest issues that have been talked about is the children's hospital and the overspend there. Two questions in relation to that. Number one, what's the final overspend going to be? And number two, when's that hospital going to open? Look, I, I'm deeply frustrated with the ongoing delays uh, from the contractor. I'm deeply frustrated with the ongoing claims coming in from the contractor. And I am absolutely determined that we are going to have children in this hospital as quickly uh, as possible. The, the that figure, doesn't sound like a date. That figure. doesn't sound like a date, Minister. First of all, what 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 date will that hospital be open? Well, the Taoiseach, as you'll be aware, has been talking about late twenty four, early twenty five. Um, 
It depends to some extent on the ability of the contractor to fully resource this project. So just for your listeners, the agreed date was March of next year. The contractor then submitted a new date of May of next year. They've now submitted another um, programme of works to the board. The board has not yet accepted that for even later on uh, in the year. That is being looked at. In terms of the costs, you asked, Jonathan, we knew in 2019 from that review this was going to cost well in excess of 1.4 billion and we knew it was going to take longer to open unfortunately three things have changed since 2019 covid and the war in ukraine uh, and this is not the fault of the contractor to be fair obviously covid slowed it down and a combination of covid and the ukrainian war has meant that building costs here and all over the world have gone up the third thing that has changed is i have resourced the board to fight the contractor's claims so the contractor to, at this stage has submitted about 760 million in additional claims. So far, 12 million or 12.6 million has been awarded to the contractor. The board is continuing to contest that. And over the last few months, the board and the contractor have been intensively engaged to find a way through this, because ultimately what matters to me is that we have that hospital open for children providing the okay. kind of care that they need and they deserve. And very briefly, so in other words, we're in a dogfight now between the board and the contractor that may delay the opening of the hospital and you can't tell me how much the final overrun is going to be. Well, I think it's been a difficult relationship between the board and the contractor, to be honest, from, from, from day one for many, many years. But what as I Minister, are you say, happy that you don't know the bill that the state is going to face at the very end of this, this project? The final cost will depend on what happens with that 760 million in claims. So, so the contractor clearly would like the full amount plus the 760 million. We obviously, the, the board on our behalf, are saying no. Only 12 million of that has been awarded. And so the final okay. cost will, will depend. Some of those cases are in the courts. Some of them are in the dispute resolution mechanism right. set up within the contract. Um, but, but I am absolutely determined and the board is determined that the final cost will be as low as possible in the context of the Ukrainian war uh, and COVID. Okay. The main delay, Jonathan, has been caused by these delays. Or, sorry, All the right, main we'll, additional costs are being, are caused, uh, are being by the, caused by yeah. these ongoing okay. delays. Yeah. But, but, but I hear you, Mr. Stephen Donnelly, uh, Minister for Health. Thank you very much for joining us. No date, no final cost. Um, we'll have to come back to that one. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk.